are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Minichi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Minichi. This is episode number 11. We're going to talk all about interviewing today for a music educator position Um, because it's kind of like that season right now, right? It is starting. It has begun. Yeah. And in fact, Katie, you have an interview on Monday. It's true. Yeah. So within my district. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, we can talk about the differences, but it'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. That's great. So, um, you know, we thought it would be good to just talk through some interview questions and what to bring and things to consider and that kind of thing. So we'll go ahead and get started. Sounds good. All right. So Katie, do you want to start with a funny story? Oh, I I do have a few funny stories. <laughs> I think the first one might be a little bit inside because it may be funnier if you know the principal and you're going to know this principal okay. because she works in the district <laughs> that we are both in. It is not your current principal, but a former principal. I will tell you. I later. will tell you. Later. Okay. <laughs> so, um, my. My year of interviewing when I entered your district four years ago started uh-huh. in June with a part-time traveling position, uh-huh. and it went really well. It was one with principal number one, and then in July, most administrators take a vacation. They take a few weeks off, and uh-huh. the job all of a sudden was dead in the water, and I had emailed this principal, and she said, you know, you did a great job. I was asked to hold off. So I was getting positive feedback, but I wasn't hearing about it. And so in the meantime, I applied for a full-time position at another elementary school. And one of my colleagues was hired. I was not for this particular position. And she is okay. lovely and a perfect fit for this building. Okay. Um, so in the interview, it was a very stoic principal. <laughs> and she was asking me very vanilla questions. Questions that I was ready to fire off, you know, the, the right. textbook questions. Yeah. And then seemingly out of nowhere and with very little feedback from the interviewer at this point, she she looks at me and says, if you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> and I... um did not wait to answer and just blurted out Tina Fey. (laughs) And there, there was the entire United arts team was in the room and not one person gave any acknowledgement that they knew who Tina Fey was or that what I had said was funny. Oh my gosh. And this principal looked at me and said, (laughs) why? And I said, because she makes the world a better place because because we laugh at her. And then I said something to the effect of blurg. What is blurg? It is something that Tina Fey says in uh, 30 Rock. Okay, I'm just Tina, Tina Fey. I don't remember hearing yeah. that word. Oh, hilarious. Blurg. And no one laughed. Oh, my gosh. And at that moment, I knew that it was okay that I did not get that position. <laughs> Oh, it was it was not my finest moment, but I do stand by Tina Fey. 
Oh, for sure. I have great. interviewed with that same team. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it was kind of a very serious interview. So that totally makes sense. It did not fit the tone of the interview at all. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I think if I were a comedian, it would have been a joke that didn't land. I think it to speak. It did not <laughs> like, land. Act like you from the audience <laughs> or from the interview table. And I left thinking like, there were so many better people like that would be inspiring. Like I should have said Malala or, you know, like, like anybody, anyone, even though I love Tina Fey, she's listening. I'm inspired. Oh my gosh. And okay. you, do you have a good one to share? Yes. I, I also have a funny story. Excellent. Um, I was interviewing for the, the last position or the last school district that I taught in before my current district kind of a rural school district outside of Columbus, mm -hmm. which shall remain nameless, but those of you who know me well could figure it out. <laughs> um, and so I was interviewing for this position and um, one of the administrators, it wasn't like the administrator that would be my administrator, but he was an administrator in the district and he was a trumpet player. Well, literally like three days before I interview, I find out that they want me to play my trumpet. In the interview? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. I believe this is the only time I've ever been asked to do this in my entire life. Wow. And you know, like, you know how it is when you've been teaching or whatever, like, you don't play your instrument as much. And all of a sudden, it's three days away, and they want you to play, like, the humble concerto. So, Oh, my. So that's what I decided I was going to play. So I, you know, hurriedly, you know, got my chops somewhat back into shape so I could play the Hummel. Well, um, I get into the interview with my trumpet and this administrator who was also a trumpet player um, decides to stand over my shoulder as I play. Oh, stop. Uh-huh. He had his arms like crossed against his chest and was leering at me over my shoulder as I played the Hummel concerto. Oh, that's terrible. No, I know. I mean, I, there's more I could say about that, but I'm just going to end it right there. It was not a pleasant experience, but I played wow. okay. Oh, I'm sure you were great. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is, is like, I get like, I, for sure, I get like stage fright. Like I'm just performing is hard for me. Sure, you know, I all get do. as it is, but then to have someone, you know, over your shoulder. Well, I knowing play, he's a trumpet player. Yeah. I also had to play piano in this interview, which I don't think I've ever had to do. Maybe one other district I had to play a little bit of piano. Wow. Yeah. Which to me, like, if you have to play piano in, in an interview, what that says to me is you expect me to sit at my piano and accompany kids during music class. Correct. Or you would kind of think that maybe that's where they're headed. And actually, once I got hired, and I'm like a decent piano player. I'm not fantastic. Right. I did it okay. Um, and then once I got hired into this district, um, I had a teacher at the building ask me, so is the reason you don't play piano with the kids because you're not very good? All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to explain to her, well, you know, kids actually match pitch better when they're unaccompanied. And I like tried to be research based about it and explain why I do what I do. But I thought, I, like, do I even need to defend myself to you? <laughs> well, to answer, you do not. But also, 
Wow. That would bring out the feisty in me. I'd probably say something sassy, as I've already sort of proven. Well, this is the same district where a custodian asked me, why do you need the chalkboard? You're just the music teacher. Ugh. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) To that, I say blurg. Blurg. (laughs) All right. So, days of interviews. All right. Okay, so when you are interviewing, what? So, what are you going to bring with you on Monday? Well, we were just discussing this, and I, I am going back and forth about it. I definitely want to bring uh, something that displays or shares what I'm about, mm-hmm. and I think the traditional way to do that is through a portfolio. Because I'm inside the district, this is an internal application, Mm -hmm. Uh, I am considering this time doing more of a visual presentation. So I put together a slideshow of videos of the kids interacting with me and my choir performing. And so I'm doing a little bit more digital than I would normally do because I feel like I don't have to introduce myself in the same way that I would if I was an outside applicant, but certainly a portfolio of some kind. Yeah, that's great. What normally goes in your portfolio? Um, you know, it's been a while since I interviewed, but mm-hmm. I think eight years ago was the last time I interviewed for the position I have right now. And I do think I had like a physical portfolio. Sure. Um, I put everything from like examples of lesson plans to pictures of me teaching mm-hmm. uh, to like concert programs or, you know, musical programs, like the printed program. Mm hmm. Um, to obviously like resume letters of recommendation. I think I've even had like parent letters or like, you know, teacher letters like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, the program you did was fantastic or whatever, that kind of thing. Or like former principal notes, that kind of, just like notes that, you know. I have some notes from my students that I've also included. Yeah. Just to kind of give them a snapshot of who you are as a teacher. I I find that helpful. And it's, it's interesting because for the last two years, I've been in on like the interview committee mm-hmm. position at my building. We had a traveler two years ago that we hired who's who is now traveling to other schools in the mm-hmm. district. And then the my former student teacher, Emily, is now um, at my building. But we, you know, had to interview for to fill that position again. So it's been interesting to sit on the other side of the table and to see what people were bringing in or weren't bringing in. Mm-hmm. and. In my experience, like I wasn't necessarily expecting someone to bring in like a big portfolio, but when they could bring something to the table, whether it be like digital, like I think um, Emily did something like you where she had like a website where Mm -hmm. you could the website and kind of see examples of student work or, you know, pictures or videos or whatever. Or if people had like lesson plan um, examples or, you know, just something so that when they're answering a question, like if we asked you know, give us an example of a kindergarten lesson or something like that, then they could be like, well, actually, I have a written lesson plan here. And they can kind of talk through it. And you can look at the lesson while they're talking. So I think it's nice to go in there with something in hand. I think so, you too. Know, kind of showcase what you do. When I interviewed four years ago and was hired, one of the things that I did, because I had just finished a class on a teacher's toolbox, I think is what the class was called. So Mm -hmm. I had just finished this course, and one of the things they suggested to bridge parent communication 
was mm-hmm. to make a trifold brochure. Yeah. And so I had made a brochure mm-hmm. about my alignment with the curriculum and my teaching philosophy, briefly explaining Kodai and nice. a mock-up of what would be concert season throughout that year. And then yeah. also my contact information. And I yeah. did print that out for each of the yeah. interviewers. And so right. I, I passed that out in that interview. And I remember them really liking that. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. That's interesting because I um I do a trifold like that at the beginning of the year to hand out during open house. Mm-hmm. Where it, like the brochure is like music at Cheshire Elementary and you open it up and it tells all about me and all about the traveler and then all about the Kodai philosophy. And then it'll be like, you know, kindergarten has music this many times a week and first grade has music, you know, it kind of tells yeah. line. And so I could see um, if you do something like that, you could also bring something like that. That's not necessarily specifically about you, but it's about like a program that you have run before. And I Correct. actually have, if you go to um, the show notes, which if you go to my blog at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and then go to podcast and then click on this podcast, um, I can put a link to a free template that you can use to type up a brochure like that. I'm not sure. I'll have to look at that brochure. I don't know that it's editable for what you're talking about, Katie, where it would just be about you. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for like a school brochure. I will tell you that I made the brochure through the Microsoft suite. Okay. So like, there yeah. is in Word or in that Microsoft, Microsoft, you know, group of applications, there is a brochure template. Okay, cool. And I would imagine the Google suite does too now because Probably. they tend to mirror each other. Yeah. And it was yeah, great because they had the blocks already set up and I basically just yeah. plugged in what I wanted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it already looks professional. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So in our notes, you have things to consider. So what are some things that you think you should consider going into an interview? Well, we also, in our pre-interview, we always chat a little bit before we start. We right. sort of talked about this, our, your intention for the interview. Sometimes people interview just to make sure that they're not stagnant in their career. And maybe yeah. they're not really looking to advance, but just to go through the process or just to see what another district might offer. Right. So I think that you prepare differently knowing where you are in your career and what you want out of it. Right. So I think that's something to consider. I think um, getting to know that district, if you're an external candidate, is really something to consider. So seeking out someone that you can talk to to find out what the needs of that district are so that you can speak intelligently about it when you get into the room. Those are great things to kind of seek out and consider. What do you think? I think, yeah, those are all great points. I I also think that it's just as much an interview for you as it is for them. Mm -hmm. So I think you can kind of tell by the questions they ask and by the things that they say, whether or not it's a good fit for you, you know, And sometimes like you're kind of in a, I mean, when I went from my last district to my current district, I had been cut because of budget cuts, you know, a levy not passing. Mm -hmm. I had to get another job, you know, so thank, thankfully I got the job in this district, which is a great district. Um, That was a happy accident. (laughs) Like a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like stated at the time and then I ended up being just a windfall. But, um, 
so sometimes you have to take a job, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, it's, you just got to be real about it. But other times, especially if you have a few different districts that you can choose from, you can kind of tell by the way that they answer some questions or by the questions that they ask you, whether or not it's a good fit for you, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I should have been able to, to tell by the fact that they asked me to play trumpet and piano and stand over my shoulder while I was playing. Right. Maybe that's me off. But that was one of those times where, you know, I had to take the job. But, um, you know, I've been I was in an interview where um, the principal said something about wanting an hour long musical performance. And that what grade level? um, I don't know. All of them. Wow. Yeah. Um, So that to me was kind of like, huh. An hour long, like that's a lot of music when you're talking about now, if you had like several different, you know, let's say you had like second, third and fourth all performing, then I think that could be doable. Or even if you have two grade levels, maybe that's doable sure. if you have the space sure. for that. Mm-hmm. But for one grade level to perform an hour performance seems pretty excessive to me. I don't know what other people do, but I think half hour is that sweet spot. And it's I still think so a, too. a music or like my student teacher just had an interview where they asked her a lot of questions about how she interacts with other teachers. And then I heard from someone else that this district has, um, may have some issues with like teachers, not always getting along with each other. Building culture. Yes. Sure. So if you're asked a lot of questions about something and you're like, why do they keep asking me about that? Then I think it's something to, maybe explore and ask questions and see like, why is this such an issue? Why do they keep asking me questions about this? And then if you find out, well, they have some big issues with building culture, then you just want to kind of weigh that. Is that something that you want to take on? You know? Agreed. I think before you go into any interview, unless you're in a position, like you said, where you really need to take the job. Right. I think you always prepare and put your best foot forward but if you're able to, I think you have to resign yourself before you go in that you're willing to walk away if the signs are there. You know, it's kind of like a date. Yeah, for sure. And you have you have to like them as much as they like you. You do. You do. And unless you're in a situation where you really have to do it, it does lead me to another story that I can yeah. think of. Uh, I had my daughter in August of 2012. So did you. Yes. And... Um, That summer, I interviewed for a position in a neighboring district. Uh Uh-huh. And I was not applying that summer because I was pregnant and due in August. Right. And I had forgotten that my interview, like my application was current in that district. So I ended up getting a call, not even expecting to. It was sort of just a, you know... An added bonus. And so she brought me in to interview and I was about seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, she had called me for the interview and it was a quick phone conversation. We set it up and I didn't mention that I was pregnant. Right. Because I'm not an idiot. So I showed up (laughs) very visibly pregnant. And when I walked in the door, she started laughing out loud. And she said, honey, when are you due? 
<laughs> and I said the first day of school and um, she said, I can't say this to you, but I'm never going to get you past HR. She's like, I'm going to tell you right now. There's no way. And she actually admitted to me afterwards that um, she was actually not supposed to be interviewing me because I was dealing with the fact that I had a master's degree and eight years of experience. So a lot of districts wouldn't interview me anyway. And so she had actually petitioned to her central office saying, I really want to interview someone with some experience so that I can balance it against someone who doesn't. I really need to see that, that balance, which I thought was really insightful for her to say. She just really wanted to see that, that mix. And she said, so you being here is invaluable to me but there's no way that I'm going to be able to convince them to hire someone who has their maternity leave the first three months of school. Oh my God. And so I laughed and I said, I totally agree. I just really wanted to meet you. You were so nice on the phone. And, Uh and I had a friend that had taught there like seven years prior. So I was just excited Uh to meet her because I had heard good things. It ended up being the best interview I've ever had. We hugged at the end of the interview Oh, wow. She was just the sweetest. And she kept in contact with me that whole year. And wow. it turned out her hire was uh, was rift at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And she had kind of hinted at that in the interview. Like, you have a new family. You don't want to go through the stress of this job. Because wow. she she kind of saw the writing on the wall. I think she had an idea that whoever she hired might go through some turmoil. And so in a sweet way, I think she was kind of protecting me from it too, but it was probably the best interview I've ever had because it was so relaxed. Wow. It was just so funny, but I'll never forget the look on her face when I walked in just ridiculously pregnant and sweaty. (laughs) Funny. Yeah. I didn't get like I got a call for an interview for our current district mm-hmm. and then got a call to cancel the interview because when he had looked at my resume, he thought I only had, he was just looking at my years in Michigan. Oh. He had two years. And then he looked at the resume again and he had been told by the superintendent at that point, we have a different superintendent now, but we, he had been told like, we cannot hire anyone who has more than X amount. I think it was like five years and a master's. Wow. And at point, I had seven years and a master's. Wow. He canceled the interview. And then a few days later, and I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. And then, and at that point, I had no job, you know, because I had been ripped from my last one. Um, and then he called me back a few days later and started setting up the interview again. And I was like, well, what about my experience. And he said, well, I can see that you'd be a great fit for our school. So I fought for you. And wow. I ended up getting a, I was really appreciative of, you know, that he did that. But that's, I mean, it does definitely ha- add a whole other layer of complexity and difficulty when you are not a new teacher and you have all these years of experience and you're looking for a job, you are often, you know, not given the job simply because you're just too expensive. Yes. And I mean, I don't have a solution for that, except that districts should just, you know, experience is worth it in my sure. book. Um, but I just want to empathize with all of you out there who have dealt with that. It's 
it's hard. It is hard. There, there were some times during that interim that I wasn't sure it was ever going to turn itself around. And it was hard. Yeah. I remember saying to friends, if I had known that being 30 was going to age me out of my own market, that I would have gone to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So the other thing that we were considering was identifying your own strengths and weaknesses before you walk into the room. And I feel like in in having this conversation, we're already kind of identifying some things. But what do you how do you identify that for yourself? And how do you keep that in the forefront of your mind when you interview Aileen? Um, I think just, you know, if you are able to look at um, a list of interview questions, which could include strengths and weaknesses, and really like think through those answers and almost like have someone give you a mock interview, I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think specifically as far as strengths and weaknesses go, I think being honest with yourself and also like I've, you know, when I have been on like in the interview committee these last two years, it's been really interesting because um, we had someone who gave us the answer for, you know, what's your biggest weakness or whatever. Mm-hmm. He gave us a response, something like, oh, I'm just, sometimes I just work too hard or, or maybe it was like, I'm a perfectionist, right. something like that. Being I don't remember. too honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And after the interview, one of the administrators was like, I hate that answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was eye opening to just kind of like, listen to what administrators say to each other, you know? Yes. Um, so I think like to really be honest with yourself and not define your weakness as something that could actually be a strength because principals will see through that. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I, if, I mean, if I were in an interview right now, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head and someone said, what is your biggest weakness? Um, I think like sometimes when I, when I hear criticism from other people, um, I've really had to work on this throughout my life. Like I have taken it to heart a lot of times. Correct. You know? I just like, it's just earlier in my career, it was kind of devastating to me, but I've toughened up and that has gotten better. But even now, like I find myself sometimes needing more words of affirmation than I really should need. <laughs> right. After a program, you want everyone to be like, that was fantastic. And I really have a great staff and they do say that to me. But I have like often had that conversation with myself, like, Aileen, you don't need everyone to say that to you. You know, it was good. You know, right. you, you're you proud of it. And you know, the kids did well. You don't need people to say that to you. But it's like this, you know, I still struggle with lack of confidence sometimes. So like, Absolutely. that's an honest answer that I don't think can be distorted into something positive. It's just that's my flaw, you know. So what would I- you say? if you were asked that question in an interview? Well, one thing that I've done for myself over the years, and I'll certainly be identifying and sort of recalibrating over this weekend as I prepare for this interview coming up next week, I have made myself a note taker in the past. So Mm -hmm. I actually do have like a little note taker that I do not give to the interviewers but I have a box where I write out strengths and then I have a box of things that I'm working on. And I also have an empty box where I can write down all the names of the people who are in the interview. So while they say their names, I write them down. Um, Well, it's, it's because I've made mistakes in interviews. 
mm-hmm. where I've blanked. So yeah. I have learned through experience. Mm-hmm. I remember someone asking you once about a strength, and I think I said I was a nurturer, which is actually not really that true. <laughs> I I would not say that's one of the biggest strengths of mine. I think I am a nurturer, but I also think that's kind of a lame answer. Like I was immediately disappointed with that answer. <laughs> it's hard because you ask these things and like you want to give a very quick response. Right. But then these things fly out of your mouth. We're like, why did I say that? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not wrong, but it also wasn't a fulfilling answer. Right, so right. Um, after having a couple of those like little blunders, yeah, I I started writing it out for myself because I didn't want to put myself in that position again. And it yeah. definitely helped. It definitely yeah. helped. And it, it kind of gave me a couple points to consider and make sure I hit certain things that I thought were important to hit in the interview. I also right. have a spot near the bottom of that template that I asked very specific questions about. So if I knew enough about the school to ask, I asked about the question, you know, that school specifically. Or when I was interviewing for a new district, I asked about that district and their professional development and how they how they would develop me. So I think having that kind of plotted out for myself helped me just because it makes me a better active listener. And I think that's something else to kind of mention maybe my strength isn't listening. So I don't, maybe it came out of that organically that I knew I needed that to be a better listener. Cause half of the interview is listening. Right. Right. Yeah. So. But I mean, you're also like, you're listening, but you're also formulating answers at the same time or thinking of what you're going to say next. So I think for anybody, regardless of whether you think, you know, listening is a flaw or a strength or whatever, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely provide that too. I can send it out because I'll be working on it this weekend. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's a good segue to the next bit about just like questions you can ask of them. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, when I have sat in on interviews, I, um, it's just been interesting where at the end of the interview, we'll say, do you have any questions for us? And I've heard everything from, nope, to like list of 10 questions, which was maybe a little much. <laughs> so, sure. And I've also heard the question, how much does this uh, position pay? Which is always awkward. You should really never ask that. And also <laughs> Google it. <laughs> well, that's, I think what was really funny is somebody asked that in an interview. And then it was kind of this awkward moment where everybody was like trying to look it up on their computers to tell her the answer of how much her salary would be. <laughs> which we told her. And then the interview ended and she walked out of the room. And again, this is one of the, you know, interesting moments of having administrators in the room and hearing what they say after that happens. And someone said, why would you ask that question? Just look it up. It's public. You are interviewing for a public school position. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a phone? Yes. Just look it up. Just look it up. But I think it's good to have a few questions for the district, especially if it's something that, you know, you're not sure that you're going to be able to just easily find on Google or whatever. Um, But just to get an idea of what are they expecting from you? And I think that goes back to, you know, considering that this is an interview for you as well as it is for them, you know, to see is this a good fit. So 
having questions like, what do you expect out of me as a music teacher? You know, what are your expectations? Yeah. Um, finding out how often they have music because there are some wonky situations out there where like there are you might only see the kids once every four weeks or something ridiculous, you know, so you want to find that out to see. Sure. If it's a good- I, I think that anytime you can create a question that is very positive in its intent, that's a good thing. In the same way that earlier we were talking about how schools can kind of give you like a poker tell of what they're looking for because maybe something negative is going on in the building. Right. I think sometimes your questions about or for the interviewer can be a tell for you, maybe why you're leaving the position or maybe something that you feel unfulfilled about. So one thing I like to ask is what do you love about the current music program? Wow. Hey, thanks. Because then it's positive in its intent. But it also will give you some insight if the principal says, well, I like that all the concerts are over an hour long. Yeah. Then I would say you are probably the only stakeholder who feels that way. (laughs) You know, most people probably want to be going home. But um, but no, I mean, that would be interesting to me. That would be an interesting response. If if the answer was I I like, you know, the passionate communication between the current music teacher and the staff or the way that the program currently builds community will sign me up. Those are, that's a great answer. Right. So I think anytime that you can frame a question in a way that allows the interviewer to compliment their building, that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Katie and I have put together a list of interview questions that, um, you know, you could look over before you go into an interview, or of course you can pass this on if you have a student teacher, just questions that are good to think through before you go through an interview. And this, uh, these questions come from our experience being interviewed. Um, so from that list, and by the way, I, I will put that in the show notes, but if, if you just want to quickly get to the list, if you go to bit.ly slash music interview, you'll find it. Again, that's bit.ly slash music interview. You'll find the list of questions. I'm going to look at the questions right now and um, just kind of go over a couple of them. Like the first one that you'd often be asked in an interview is just tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that question, Katie, do you feel like you want to just um, focus on like you as a music teacher or do you try to tell them a little bit more about you besides Katie, the music teacher? I think you have to answer that for yourself. Everyone's different. I'm the type of person that I think I'm a better teacher because of what I do outside of the school day. I think some people are full-time musicians and teachers. Mm -hmm. For me, I think I'm more a teacher than a musician. So Mm -hmm. I like to talk about some of the other things I'm interested in, like sewing and my animals and theater experiences that I've had travel that I've that I've experienced so I would mention a few things but I would certainly keep the central idea your teaching career talking about your masters talking about places that you've been able to teach certainly I've been teaching long enough that student teaching placements and things wouldn't be on my resume anymore they don't really make the cut anymore but One thing that I'll often tell people in the interview process is that 
I student taught at the blind school, which is really cool. Yeah. And I'm still the only person who's ever done that. So it's kind of a fun experience because I wanted that K through 12 experience and being able to give something that's really unique, something that might make him remember him or her remember who I am. Yeah. Or something different. Yeah, that's great. Um, So on this list, there are a lot of different questions, but I'm just going to read a couple that I think stand out to me as being really unique questions that I have, in fact, been asked during an interview. I have never been asked, even though I did interview with the same team that you told me about, I've never been asked who I would have lunch with (laughs) or or dinner or whatever. I have been asked, what is the most important issue or crisis facing music education today? Wow, that is a loaded question. Right? I'm what did you to... answer? Um, gosh, what did I say? I think I might have said something about like, um, I think the loss of folk music that kids aren't, you know, unless they're learning like hand jives or jump roping games or singing games in the music classroom, they're not doing that on the playground as much as they used to. Correct. And I, I wouldn't even say that's exactly just a crisis facing music education. I think that's a, uh, a crisis facing children or society, you know? I would imagine most of our listeners would probably agree with that, too. I think you're uh, preaching to the choir on that one. I agree. Speech, right? Yeah. So um, I think that's something that we can definitely do in our classrooms that helps society and not just music education. I think mm-hmm. that was my answer. What, what do you think you would say? Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot. That's not on my note taker. <laughs> Monday, so. <laughs> I know. Um, I think this, I would say the crisis is also the solution, if that makes sense. So I think, I think a lot of the issue facing music education is that our pop culture is a huge disconnect from what's happening in our folk tradition and our folk tradition so often was based around community and building people up. And a lot of what kids are experiencing musically doesn't emulate that. And so I think that a lot of, I tell the kids all the time that there's nothing wrong with listening to pop music. I like pop music, but I tell them it's like the food pyramid and it's sort of like our kids are always eating dessert Right. You know, and that doesn't mean they need to listen to Mozart all day. Right. But I don't feel like the music, not all of it, but I feel like a lot of what they are able to consume at their age level, the kids bop kind of stuff that they're listening to is not feeding them. Yeah, it's not feeding their soul. And there's so much more they could be getting out of it. Yeah, this is like a whole other podcast topic that we should do. Because I do have it's about. And I've been trying to like connect the pop music to the folk music, like have that relevance and that connection. Sure. But you still worry about like, there's a lot of pop music that's also not appropriate, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to podcast about that. Some We're just going to have time. to table that one. <laughs> Cause that's a, yeah, that's a huge topic, but yeah, that's a great answer. So I have a question that I remember from when I was a less experienced teacher in my yeah. first, first round of interviewing right out of college. I remember probably because they knew that I was a little bit greener, that I was going to be a new teacher. 
many of them asked me what my dream classroom would look like. Really? I don't think I've ever been asked that. I was asked that in both of my first interviews. I, I interviewed for our inner city Columbus Public. And mm-hmm. I also interviewed for a Catholic school, which is where I ended up teaching. And both of them asked me what my ideal classroom would look like. Interesting. What did you say? Oh, gosh, I don't remember the answer now. It probably would have seemed silly at the time. Like, I would mm-hmm. want chairs and windows and yeah, something instruments, right? Uh-huh. You know, I, it was probably not, my vision probably wasn't complete. Right. Now I would have a very different specific yeah. answer. But right. I think they were probably asking to kind of get an idea of where my creativities were. Yeah. So, but I thought it was an interesting question. And I think they asked me specifically because I was a newer teacher. Interesting. Yeah. And I remember being asked as a newer teacher also about my my philosophy. If I was a student or a teacher-centered classroom, what my mm-hmm. philosophy was going to be, how I would act that out. Mm-hmm. I feel like one question that I have gotten a few different times is like, if you have a student who's just like not interested in what you're doing, mm-hmm. kind of has a bad attitude about music or something like that, or refuses to sing, I've gotten something along those lines several times. How do you handle that? Sure. So, I mean, there are a lot of good answers there, but I think mm-hmm. I've said something about like trying to make sure that the material I'm choosing is fun and engaging and also maybe trying to you know, find out more about that child to see if there's a way that I can use music that is interesting to him or her, you know? Yeah. And kind of bring that into my classroom. But I feel like that is definitely one that I've been asked several times. Absolutely. I, you know, I've mostly, most of my career has been in, I guess what you would consider upper, upper middle class Mm -hmm. districts. And I do know that I've been asked several times also, how I would handle a forward or difficult parent. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And, and I think that you can almost answer that in a similar way. The unengaged yes. child can sometimes be a similar answer to the highly engaged parent. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I think those are things to definitely be prepared for. I think more and more those are things administrators are looking for us to be able to handle in-house whenever we can because they're so inundated with work Yeah, that, you know, it's not going to be an acceptable answer to say, I would send him to the office. <laughs> yes, yeah. I would pass that to you. Yeah. Not something they want to hear. Um, Nor is it what's good for kids, right? Right. Yeah. Something that I just talked to my student teacher about is elaborating on your answer Um, And I noticed this when I sat through those, you know, two years of interviews that we would have quite a few teachers who would like, or, you know, interview candidates who were um, answering the question and not really elaborating that much. And so the interview literally lasted like 15 minutes because they would just like have a two sentence answer or something. And wouldn't elaborate anymore. And we'd be like, okay. And we'd ask them the next question and another two sentences. 
And when I said something to my student teacher about it, she said, well, I was just worried that I was going on too long. I said, no, you weren't. (laughs) I was just a little bit more because they really want to know what you think about this. And if you can give a specific example, then that's great. You know? Yeah. I've had the opposite happen. Not surprisingly, I'm pretty verbose. Oh, yeah. And but I've I've found that it's a positive in interviews because several times in the interview process, I've had the panel or even if it's just with the principal say, well, you just answered three questions. That's great. Right. And yeah. then it opened up the opportunity for us to talk more ad lib or more informally. And I just found that to be a positive. So, you know, if you talk through the first question, you're often going to talk yourself into the leading questions that are coming. Yes. And I don't think that that is seen as a flaw for you to, I think if you're being specific and you're speaking to that question and you're giving specific examples, then the committee, I think, in my experience, appreciates that. Because like you said, even if you end up answering more than one question, you're giving them really specific information about that question. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, you know, I don't really remember sitting through any interviews where I felt like someone was going on and on and on too long unless they weren't speaking about that question. Do you know what I mean? Like unless they were like going on and on about something that wasn't what we asked them. But if they're talking specifically about what we asked them, that's great. You know, I agree. I certainly have sat in on an interview. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular because I was able to sit in on uh, the interview process last spring at my (laughs) one of my current buildings. Mm -hmm. And we had one interviewee in particular that consistently would bring the questions back to a topic that was interesting to her or that she was passionate about. And so she would kind of take herself and steer that that question in the direction she wanted it to. Yes. And it sabotaged her. Yes. So, you know, I think being thoughtful about answering the question, if you answer it in a thoughtful way, it's going to lead you right down the interview questions. Yeah. It's going to it's going to check every box. But right. if you are distracted by something else. Yeah. It can it can really derail you too. Yeah, I actually have, as you told that story, I was flashing back to an interview that I remember sitting through where somebody steered a question into a different direction so he or she could like sell themselves more to us, if that makes sense. Got it. And this is why you should hire me because blah, 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 you know, and it just seemed like inauthentic, Mm. you know, and actually, you know the administrator said something about that. Like they steered the direction or the, you know, the question into a different direction um, that we weren't really asking. Now, I think it's perfectly okay. Like if at the end of the interview, when they say, you know, when the committee says, do you have anything else to add to go ahead and say whatever you want to say then? Mm-hmm. Because then it's like a perfectly appropriate place to put it. But when you're trying to add something to a question that really wasn't supposed to be there, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a difference between being anecdotal and pivoting. Yes. <laughs> pivoting but, can be good, but not in this case. 
if you're hiding something or you don't like the question, um, I, I do think, you know, it brings us, I'm thinking about the end of the interview. One other thing that I thought was worth mentioning is, uh, and there are very few ways that I would align myself with a politician, but I think in an interview, it's one of the few times that, that you are afforded the opportunity to be bold enough to mm-hmm. ask for the job. Yeah. So I do think one of the last things that you should do is say, I really enjoyed this and I really could see myself here and I hope that you will consider me because yes. if you don't, then it might not always appear clear. So I think being right. very clear and uh, to me, that feels bold because that's not yes. something that is normal for me, but it's something right. I always remind myself to do. Yeah, I think interviews are kind of weird like that because in normal day-to-day life, if you were that confident, you would seem too confident, you know, too bold. Correct. But in an interview, you really do want to sell yourself and it's completely okay to, you know, to say, you should, you know, I would really appreciate this job. I think I could do this and this and this. And I'm really passionate about what I do. And you sit there and you sell yourself, which, like I said, in typical everyday life, is not something you would do. But in an interview, like that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'll be doing. All right. I'm excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> and hopefully this gives insight to some of our listeners and yeah. some hope for some of those that might be out there struggling the way we have over the years as well, too. Yeah. It's a stressful process. Kind of it like is. buying a house, you know, yeah. like you have, you might have a few different options and which one is the best for you. And yeah, that's yeah, stressful, but yeah, hopefully this has been helpful. And if you go to the show notes, again, if you go to Mrs. Miracles, music and then go to podcast and then click on this episode, um, we'll have a link to the interview questions and um, a couple other things that we talked about throughout the episode. And I also just put together a editable portfolio on Teachers Pay Teachers. I'll put a link to that as well so that Yay. if you put together a portfolio, um, then it just allows you to just like edit it, add your name, add your information and make it look nice and pretty and print it out and, you know, put it into a portfolio. That's great. We wish everyone out there the best. Yes. Yes. Okay, so now on to what we're listening to or what we're reading. What are you reading or listening to, Katie? Well, you know... As we talked about pop culture, I don't know that it's uh, the highest of quality. It is really fantastic, though. I'm watching uh, the series My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, I think I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I had, I have had this recommended to me by multiple people over the last few years, and Tim and I just had not sat down to watch it, uh-huh. and it is all about you know, a woman going through sort of midlife crisis or quarter life crisis. Maybe she's pretty young and Mm -hmm. it's also a musical. Oh, wow. Okay. There are like two to three musical numbers in every episode and it's amazing. How, how can people find that? Is it like on Netflix or we are watching it on Netflix. 
I okay. want to say, and this is the shocking part, I think it's on a cable network. Like, I think it's like an ABC show or something like that. Like, okay. It surprises me because it's an hour long comedy with that musical. has musical numbers in it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's so funny. And you? Um, well, I just went to my daughter's band concert tonight. So I guess this could be what I'm listening to because I just listened to the band and I just, it's like one of those things where you just feel rejuvenated after watching something. We live in New Albany, Ohio and the school district is fantastic and the band director is just so great. And it was just, I don't know, just one of those reminders when you just see great music and you know, they're like fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth graders Mm -hmm. and what they can accomplish. And I mean, their program is different than ours because like with beginning band, they see them two to three times a week, I think. And ours is so nice once a week for 25 minutes. So there's just no way that we can get through as much material as they can, but it's just great to see the way that someone else does something. Mm -hmm. Cause I think sometimes you get stuck in a rut of like, well, this is how I do band or this is how I do this or whatever. And then you see someone else do it differently and you're like, oh, I could do this and I could do that. And I just had all these ideas running through my head as I'm watching this band concert. So he had the beginning band play, which they did some of the same numbers that we would do out of like the Essential Elements book for those of you who teach band. The sure. way that is set up in our district is like once a week for 25 minutes, but it's by section. So like I see flutes on Monday, I see clarinets and saxophones on Tuesday, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's able to get further, but um so yeah, he had the beginning band play and then he had the jazz band play and he's a jazzer and it's just, his jazz band is just fantastic. They did Pennsylvania six, 5,000. Oh, that's great. So there's like audience participation. We got to yell that out. That was really fun. And then he did a Herbie Hancock song where he had the, he had the kids learn it by listening like you would if you were gigging, right? Yeah. Like, it by ear and he talked about why he had them do that and his process for having him do it and how he gigs all the time and this is he sometimes has to just noodle around and figure out a piece of music you know on his horn and I just loved that like relevance to real life like that's great you know and again because I only have the kids you know for fifth grade band I only have them you know once a week for 25 minutes there's only so much I can do but it was just really awesome to hear his process and like wow maybe I should try something like that you know that would be fun you know absolutely Uh, and then the seventh and eighth grade band they were actually just one big band it's a long story of why why it's like that but they played which they were great but their last piece was so amazing um I'm gonna have to share video with you Katie um they had a movie screen come down. This is in the McCoy Center, which is this really beautiful auditorium. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So they had the screen come down and they played a silent movie while the kids were performing a piece of music. It was like lo- Locomotor Chase or something. I'll have to, I'll look it up and link to it in the show notes. But it was like the silent movie about this train getting off the rails. Oh, how cool. A band director has like this software where you can like sync up the, like depending on the tempo. So there was a different director who was conducting the band and depending on the tempo that the band is going at, you can kind of like alter the speed of the movie. Um, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't know how much it costs, but it sounds amazing. 
So he was able to do that while they were performing. And the music synced up perfectly with the movie. It was just such a cool experience. It's just one of those reminders of like, this is why I do what I do. Like this, like music is so powerful. It added so much to the movie. It was just like, like I get all clamped. I get like kind of emotional about it. Like this is so awesome, you know? You so, should. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so your was daughter like, was performing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I don't know if she ever gets embarrassed. And I'm like, that was so cool. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. If you can't embarrass your kid, then. Right. I know. Then what are we doing? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Yeah. And of course, if you want to um, comment on the show notes with any other interview questions or anything else that you want to add, please feel free to do that. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't gotten a chance to do this yet, please go to our, the podcast in iTunes and make sure to give it a review so other music teachers can find it. Please All right, do. That is, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank this you, is- Aileen. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. This is episode number 11, right, Katie? It is. Okay. (laughs) You can edit that out, Tim. (laughs) Hang on a second. I'm going to close the door because the cat just went out. Hang on. Okay. Sorry. Tim is going to have to edit a little bit of that out because I was like interrupting you to tell you that my cat was scratching at the door. It's totally fine.